0: And I was like, wait, what? Like Walmart wants us to come down there? Um, so we did at the end of June. And we went down, we went to a meeting the night before. And then you go pitch the next morning. And it's like legitimately like Shark Tank. Like you get like <laughs> minutes. You know, first of all they have like this huge rally and they have like all these speakers, like the governor of Arkansas is there and all the Walmart bigwigs, and they're like, you know, playing like God bless America. Like people are basically crying at the end of this thing because they're so like pumped up by American entrepreneurship.
1: What's up everybody, my name is Blake Fletcher and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I interview Rebecca Miller, who is a pie maker and co-owner of Peggy Jean's Pies. So Rebecca is a really interesting person to do this pie maker, sort of like shop owner episode about because Rebecca, just up until a few years ago when she started Peggy Jean's Pies with her mom, was a lawyer and decided to leave the lawyer life behind to start baking pies. And she very quickly has become very successful. Um, She... A has grown her business almost double in just a few years. She created a pie blog on the Peggy Jeans Pies website called Hashtag World Pie Domination. And it has thousands of readers every single day, which is so interesting and amazing for a pie-based blog. And uh, she has created an online presence and ships... Uh, these things called jelly jar pies which are like these little mini super cute pies all over the country and she was nice enough to send me some of them and guys I cannot recommend it enough my god are her pies good they are so so good and in addition to all of that she is also in the works right now of getting product into Walmart to sell their pie dough at Walmart and she will talk about all of these things and more on the interview she is so fun and awesome and I know you all will love this episode with Without further ado, here is Pie Maker. Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show today.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, me too. So, first, I would love it if you could tell people your background and what led you to start Peggy Jean's Pies with your mom. Um, It's really, I was just telling you this before the uh, interview started, that I love your story because I find it very, very inspirational. It's it's one thing to think that someone has just, you know, baked pies their whole life or whatever it is. But when you leave something behind that you know really well and that is really difficult to get into and to do to begin with, to go and do something like what you did, that's like a whole nother level of thing that you did. So tell everyone about that.
0: Okay. Well, my mom, her name is Jean. And in 1994, she started Peggy Jeans Pies with her best friend, Peggy. So that's where the name comes from. And they were open from uh, 1994 to 2004. And Peg was a lot older. She was like a mom to my mom and a grandma to me. And she got sick really suddenly. And I actually was living in Kansas City with my husband, and I was graduating from law school and going into private practice. And so Peg's getting sick, her health sort of declining. Peggy Jeans is sort of like a different animal than it is now. It served breakfast. It served lunch. There were 17 servers on staff, 5,000 square feet, a whole different thing. I never worked there a single day. I went to undergrad, then I went to law school. And so um, we moved back to Columbia. It's about two hours away from Kansas City. And I kind of saw firsthand like how much my mom is struggling trying to run this store plus help Peg's husband care for Peg's rapidly declining health. And she was about to lose it. I mean, mentally she was on the edge and I looked at her and I said, I think you're going to have to close it. And she's like, I think you're right. Next day sign goes on the door. That's it. No more Peggy jeans pies. People are like, what is going on? But out of sort of respect to Peg, it's very on the down low. She was sensitive about her age and her Mm -hmm. health issues. Um, So, My mom helped Peg's husband. They cared for her the next for the next year. And Peg passed away in um, August of 2005. And so then we had like a normal life for 10 years. Like we would actually joke at Thanksgiving. I'd be like, aren't you glad you're not making a thousand pies? And then we'd bust out laughing and like drink a whole (laughs) bottle of wine. And so I'm practicing law. Uh, my husband and I have two kids. She's helping me with the kids. She ends up getting married and she moves about an hour and a half south of here. And so she'd come up and see me during the week and we'd go shopping. And people that we knew would stop her and be like, so, um, yo, do you think you could like make me a chocolate bourbon pecan pie on the side? <laughs> has to know. Like this would happen all the time. So she says to me once, probably in like, I don't know, 2012, like, well, what if we made a bunch of pies for Thanksgiving and we like, sold them out of the U-Haul at the Walmart parking lot? And I'm like, well, that's super sketchy. Who's going to buy a pie out of a U-Haul at the Walmart?
1: Yeah, an awesome and U-Haul pie, for sure. Yeah.
0: So we kind of let it go and then kind of circles back around the next year. And she's like, I'm kind of bored. We're always trying to think of fun, creative things to do together. Like, why don't we just do pies together? And whatever it was about that moment, I'm like, oh my God, it'd be so cute. I would be a lawyer slash pie baker. And what I saw in my head was Meg Ryan and you've got mail. Like, I'm like, well, I'll have the haircut. I'll have the tree little shop. It'll be adorable. Yes, we should do this. (laughs) Like literally, that's how it went down.
1: How does it not? It's so funny. I can't imagine not thinking like, oh my gosh, this workload is going to be insane. Like any moment that I'm not, being a lawyer now, I am going to have to be making pies and that will be my no, life. I was
0: really just that dumb. Seriously. <laughs> so we look at a space the very next day and like the leasing person says the number and the rent number does not make either of us want to vomit in the trash can. So we're like, okay, yeah, we should do this. And then we're like, well, we need money. So what are we going to do? We didn't want to go get a business loan because we didn't want to ask our husbands to go sign on it. And in their defense, here's why like we had a new idea every like two weeks. So if we're like, okay, so we're going to make pies, can we put our houses up for collateral for a business loan? They'd be like, uh, no, get back to us with what you're going to do in the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, right. So
0: I said to her, I've got an idea, let's do Kickstarter. And she's like, that is a fantastic idea. What is that? <laughs> so I'm like, just come over, we have to make a video. So we make a video for Kickstarter and I say in it, you know, we'd like to raise $10,000 in 30 days. It was based on zero forethought or planning. It just seemed like a solid, manageable number. We go to the Mexican restaurant. We drink some big margaritas. We're half drunk in my kitchen. We film it. I've never to this day seen it. But
1: <laughs> did you have mom, like a professional crew to help you film that, or did you just like got, film it on no. an iPhone or I, something? I,
0: We had my husband on my iPhone and then I couldn't even stand to listen to him edit it. So I made him go upstairs to our bedroom and like shut the door because I couldn't stand like listening to the same where he's trying to like edit it and cut it and I could (laughs) hear it. So for her, I think especially it was a very like she kept saying, well, if we raise $995,000, you know, I don't even care. Because I'm not contributing a single dollar to this campaign because it's a sign from above that we should not do this. She really didn't think anyone would remember Peggy Jeans or they would care or they would be interested in it coming back. And so I'm sort of more like, well, if we get to like 7,000, like we got to kick in some of our own cash. Thankfully, we never had to have that showdown because we funded four days early. And for that, I think that sort of sealed it for her. Like, okay, this is something we should really do. Let's move forward. And that was in, Uh, November of 2013 it took us until the next April to get open and I kept my legal job I you know now we're trying to get open at the store I have two kids like it, it was a lot like at one point even our dog was mad at me because all I'm doing is like working constantly in some capacity for something and so we had been open about six weeks and I was like sobbing in the car and I looked at my husband and I'm like, do you know all that law school debt we have? Like, I'm going to have to quit and bake pies with mama because that's what my kids are. <laughs> and like, he like turns like gray and he is like, oh my God, you better bake so many pies. And so like to this day, if I'm still a little whiny, he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, don't want to hear it. You wanted to do this.
1: You're right. So I mean, what that, was the so you said this is about only like six weeks in or so that you're already at the point where you're like, this is intense. I think I'm going to have to quit my job being a lawyer. I mean, I think, what was the yeah. Um, wh- what was the business like at that time? Like, how was the business from the moment you guys opened the doors?
0: We did really, really well. I think we were both so sort of insecure and so sort of dumb about it. Like what we saw in our head is she would drive up from and they lived like an hour and a half away. She'd drive up in like two or three days a week and sleep on my couch. And she'd go in and piddle around and I would cover the rest of it. And I would work on my laptop when I wasn't checking people out. Like I look back on that now as... So dumb. But I think it worked out in the best way for the two of us. Because I think if we would have rolled around the other way and said, okay, let's quit everything, let's rearrange our lives, let's make a business plan, let's go in it in that way, I don't know if it would have ever stuck with the two of us. Like we sort of had to fall backwards into it so we open and we are way busier than we ever so think. So
1: this is what led to a lot of this is the fact like you guys had this idea in your head of like oh it'll almost be like a part-time job for both of us yeah. and then you guys have so much business that it's like holy crap we yeah. ca- this mean, can't, we can't be started- part-time.
0: We started with no sign outside of our building. Like, who does that? That's stupid. We didn't have any money, so we didn't even have a sign. Then we didn't even have a menu board. So people would come in, and they'd be like, well, what do you sell? We're like, well, pies. And they're like, what kind? And we're like, well, all of them. Like, it never even occurred (laughs) to us that maybe we should be like, you know have a big menu board. So those first six months, it was sort of like, if we didn't have the money for it, we didn't have it. But like, we're really growing more and more people reading the blog, more people coming in. And we were like, oh my gosh, like this is not going to work unless like we're here all the time. And so that's what we did. I quit Uh, My husband's like, well, I guess we'll make it work. You just can't shop as much. But I didn't have any time to go anywhere anyway. So it didn't really matter as much. And I mean, thankfully, you know, he has a great job. So people email me a lot and say like, how are you so brave to do it? And I always have to say, well, you have, I have the caveat of, you know, my husband does well enough that our lifestyle at home didn't change. It didn't mean selling our house. It didn't mean selling a car. It didn't mean taking our kids out of things. It didn't mean, you know, not having insurance those things that was all sort of covered for both of us so if we kind of went on a, on a whim to see what would happen we were not like a lot of people who are way braver than us that do it with you know nothing to fall back on
1: right right yeah and you still are i imagine as a lawyer um, with you know a degree and everything you could go and get another job as a lawyer if you needed to right
0: Exactly. I keep everything current. I'm still a member of the Missouri Bar. I still do the CLEs, all of that good stuff. I still have, and I still play, we call it playing the card. Like, you know, if somebody makes me super mad, I'll be like, I said something a few weeks ago to someone like, well, maybe you didn't realize that I was actually like, <laughs> and you were way wrong. You know, so I was never... Wanted to be Perry Mason. I was an enormous nerd in the 90s. And what else did nerds in the 90s do? You went to law school. There's not options like there are now. So there was no love lost in sort of the, tr- not having the traditional, like, I'm going to have clients and I'm going to go to court sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it was more feeding my need for research and writing, which is what I get a lot from the blog. So I think if I didn't have that piece, then perhaps I would really miss a lot of my old life. But because I'm sort of so fed creatively, I don't, I don't miss sort of what I used to have. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. Totally. So another thing with this decision that you made that you and I were connecting a bit on before the interview is people that are, are staring down decision like this in their life, like thinking about leaving their job behind to pursue something that they've been working on on the side or just to pursue something in general. Um, one thing that can be very difficult with it is, uh, you take kind of like a shot to your ego. And I feel like you would know this even better than I do and better than most people in this position where you were a lawyer before. That is like, you know, doctors, lawyers. It's like a very like respected um sort of role in society. And you quit that to bake pies. Is there a part of you? Was there a part of you at the time that was like, man, like I have this degree to be this lawyer. And now when people are like, hey, oh, like, nice to meet you. My name's Rebecca. Like, oh, Rebecca, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I bake pies. And it's yeah. like, that doesn't have the same ring to it that I'm a lawyer <laughs> exactly. does. And then when you're at parties, it feels weird and stuff. Do you still struggle with that to this day? And what was that like, that decision to begin with? Because I think a lot of people go through that struggle when they're debating yeah. whether or not to, to quit something.
0: Of course they do, especially in our society now where so much sort of emphasis is placed on sort of what do you identify yourself as doing and do other people see it as valuable? I mean, I think there there is a huge community of people that love entrepreneurs. But if you are somebody that doesn't really interact with that community, you might be like, yeah, she gave up her job to go run a pie shop. Really? When it's not so much about Run a pie shop. It's about everything that comes with it and about being an entrepreneur. That took a while for me to identify with. I remember saying to a friend of mine on text not long after I quit, I was at work at Peggy Jeans, and I said to him on text, feels weird to be unemployed. And he's like, you're not unemployed, you goofball, you're self-employed. And I was like, yeah, that is true. But even for the longest time, I didn't really put it on my personal Facebook page. I was really concerned with what people would think. Like, well, what is she doing? Why would she do that? And then as we started to grow and we did better, and then like a couple, oh, I'd say maybe three months in, we couldn't afford any employees. And I was in there by myself, in the afternoon, and I was sort of cleaning up. I had this very distinctive feeling, like this emotion, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then I was like, wait a second, I think I'm happy. Like, I had never really felt that or identified with that. Not that I hated my other jobs. Like, if anybody's ever listening to it that ever worked with me, I didn't hate you. I'm just saying maybe perhaps I was not in the right spot for me. And then all of a sudden, I really found it. I felt it in there. And that made everything turn around a little bit easier. And I didn't have sort of that, like, something I should be ashamed of. But something more of something I should be proud of.
1: Yeah, totally. It's interesting because you'll, you'll talk to people sometimes who will give you that, like, hardened old uh adage of like well you know it's a job it's not supposed to it's they don't call it fun they call it a job you know and it's like well that sounds like someone who's never enjoyed their like and it's like that's kind of what you're saying is that when you were a lawyer it was like oh well this is the job like yeah it's a job like everyone complains about mondays and going back to work and whatever and then the first time that that doesn't happen when you're really enjoying yourself which which lends even more to Uh, Like I totally identify with you saying like, oh, I'm unemployed. Like I've said that so many times. Or like when I refer to my job, I I still to this day will basically be like, well, you know, I don't have like a real job. It's not a real job. (laughs) It's like, well, because I enjoy it and stuff. So it's like it doesn't feel real.
0: I know I do that sometimes. Or like I really struggled in that first year with people that knew me well, that would be like, You know, text me and be like, Oh, can you pick my kids up when you pick your kids up? Because I have to go to work and I know you have time to do stuff like that. When in reality, I'm literally like dying in that first fall that we went through because we were so busy and we were so short staffed because we didn't have the money for anyone. And I ended up sort of losing a couple of friendships because I was like, Finally, I like fed up and I was like, no, I don't have time to get your kids and take your kids home. Lord, I barely got time to deal with getting that done for my kids. And they were used to me picking them up. So I really tried to keep things as normal as possible for them. Yeah, But they, but some people sort of take you for granted, like, well, you're not really doing anything anyway, you just got a little store over there. So go get my kids too, because I have a real job. And that was kind of hard at first, you kind of learn who sort of values what you do and who doesn't when you kind of start going through stuff like that.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, it's hard to, you know, value yourself and value what you're doing when you know, that's kind exactly. of the, the mindset.
0: Yeah. So let's
1: talk a little bit about your blog, Rebecca, because it's such an interesting thing. And first of all, I just have to say it's so your your writing is top notch. Like the the email that you wrote me was amazing. Your blog posts are amazing. Your voice comes through so much in your writing. It's so just charming and quirky and funny and great. And so you created a blog about pie that is linked to off of your homepage. It says oh. a hashtag WPD, which stands for a hashtag world pie domination, which is great. Yep. It's the name of your blog is world pie domination. And I, uh, first of all, what was the thought? Had you done blogs before? Um, <laughs> like, were you a blog pro? And like, what was the thought process <laughs> no. behind creating this blog? And how the hell out of all blogs in the world, does your blog actually have like thousands of people visiting it a day. You talk about pies and stuff, for God's sake. It's so interesting to me. I
0: had never blogged before in my life. Now, I had started... I mean, I think almost any lawyer is going to be somebody that considers himself to be somewhat a writer. Like, they like they enjoy that sort of thing. So I love to read. I love to write. I'd started a number of books. I'd type, like, eight pages. I'd throw it in the trash, whatever. I never stuck with anything. So when mom and I kind of first got this idea, I thought, well, you know, Peggy Jean's the first one sort of closed down in sort of this like shroud of secrecy. Peg didn't want anybody to know anything. So I thought, well, I'm going to roll into version 2.0 with like this whole theme of transparency. Like our shop is completely open. You can watch everybody bake in there on that theory of, you know, we're baking from scratch. We have nothing to hide. And I thought, well, I'll just write about it all because I was full of hubris. And I'm like, if I'm a lawyer and mom's done this before, watch me tell the internet just how (laughs) easy it is. And so as it turns out, it's not easy. And it became a blog that was nothing about like, oh, come on down for a special on coconut cream pie. It was really more the story of two people trying to do this and the very honest truth about it, whether it was great or it was stupid or we screwed up or we had a lot of fun, whatever it was. Like even now, my husband will read it sometimes at night and he'll be like, I cannot believe you just said that on the Internet. And I'm like, eh, it's part of our story. It is what it is. Yeah. So I think people identify with that, that it's very honest, like they know, you know, sometimes I don't like what I do. That's normal. I mean, this is hard um, and sometimes it's the best ever and sometimes nothing is going on really But that's part of the charm of PJP is there's always something interesting going on. Whatever it is, we always have a good time. And so I think people really feel like they know us, like we're sort of branded through it so much. It's not uncommon for people to drive a couple of hours to meet us. And then mom and I are always like, "Eh, here we are just like, you know, we're just making pies, doing our thing. But I love that it's our story. And like eventually when you go back and you look at it from the beginning to whatever, it, you see a progression. Like I can look back like two years ago and be like, well, that was the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. What were we thinking then? <laughs> so I think there's a lot of learning for it. And there's a lot of, when I started to think about opening this, I Googled like, you know, how to open a business and like all the stuff on the internet. It's like, it's great. It's easy. Or pay me 99 99 and I'll tell you exactly how to do it. So I wanted more of like, what is the real story behind it? Yeah. So lots of people that read it want to start a business. Lots of people just, like us lots of people want entertainment who knows what it is i don't know people that you know kind of share it with somebody who share it with somebody else and now it's like a thing and people will see us like at the grocery store and they'll be like oh you know they'll reference something and my kids will be like how do they know that? And I'm like, well, it was on the blog. So now my son, he's a freshman in high school. He's like, keep me off that thing. Do not embarrass me. (laughs)
1: He's like,
0: I don't need anybody to know that I'm related to you. I was like, thanks.
1: Oh my God. Can you imagine being that age and having your parents at like be doing a blog? That would be pretty embarrassing.
0: Oh, it it would totally be embarrassing. My daughter is uh, in sixth grade and she's very like me and my mom. So we kind of think the same way, but she's like, before school started, you know, she starts middle school and she's like, keep on you your blog that I'm very quiet and very shy. And I don't like anybody to call on me because she knew a lot of those teachers at that particular school read the blog. And she was like, now they'll get the message
1: That's that so smart. I don't
0: need to be called on. And I'm like, well, that'd be kind of awkward to work into a
1: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ahead, for I
0: sure. where you're going with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, have you done any sort of advertisement for the blog or did, like what, did, no. in your mind, like how has it grown so much?
0: It, I, who knows? I just put it on Facebook and it just happens. Jonathan's like laughing over here because, um, you know, and we don't know, it's just a life of its own. We don't have any ad space on it. Um, sometimes I will get requests for people, especially like local people will be like, oh, you know, I sell this home-based business. If I gave you some of this, would you blog about it? And I'm always like, no, because I want it to be authentic. And I am so empathetic. I could never hurt someone's feelings. You know, if I try their lipstick and I don't like it, like I just cannot. Yeah. Um, so I really just try to keep it like stripped down the real story where I don't feel like it's sort of influenced by anything else going on. Like, I just know me well enough. Like if we put ads on it, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I'd see it pop up and be like, I don't like that. Or, you know, I would want control over it. Or I've given up on blogs. I'm a big blog reader because like the amount of pop-ups on their blog like ruin the experience
1: yeah totally it's interesting it's frustrating because you you need to balance that so much as a business owner that has anything uh like internet facing you know of exactly. like to what extent do i just try to maintain a good product but then i guess also have some sort of income um but yeah i mean you have a storefront so you don't have to worry about that stuff <laughs> You you have real things to sell you got real pies to sell
0: and everybody has such an opinion about everything like i don't want it to be sort of like because somebody advertises there, it looks like we have some of, sort of endorsement for it. Like, we'll get a lot mm-hmm. of that, like during the political season, people are like, you know, we give pies to this campaign or that campaign. And we are just like, no, we are Switzerland.
1: Yeah. We give nothing Good to anyone. Totally. Because
0: it's just too hard anymore.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Seriously. Um, so one of the things that I enjoyed that you wrote in your email to me uh, was you said that you now feel like you are meant to be an entrepreneur, like now that you've had this experience. What Mm -hmm. do you mean by that exactly?
0: It just is such the right fit for me. I've spent a lot of time working in a lot of different jobs and like, just never, like I was always looking for something to do. Like, I swear to you, my mother and I came up with like 6,000 ridiculous ideas. I wish we had written them all down like in a binder, like binder of dumb ideas. (laughs) like sort of incorporated our creativity and our sort of, you know, I don't know. We're of a certain personality. We like to kind of do what we want to do. We like a lot of sort of like interesting things going on at the same time. We're really big idea people, which sometimes has been hard when you run a storefront because you have to learn to self edit yourself. Um, But that said, like, it's this is finally the right fit. Like, no wonder I wasn't that happy in all those other places. It wasn't the place. It was me. Um, You know, I just... I couldn't get myself, I couldn't find that spark that I needed. Like, I don't mind going to work tomorrow, which is a beautiful feeling to not like be like, oh, I don't even want to go. I mean, how many times have I said that before in my life? And now I'm like, well, we have like this huge week ahead. But it's going to be super interesting, whatever comes our way. So it's not sort of the sense of dread, which is just so nice. It's more sort of like, what kind of cool stuff can we work on this week? How can we continue to grow and sort of expand what we do? But then also learning how to circle back around and being like, okay, what do I need to learn to be a better boss? It's hard for me to be a boss to the people that work for us. Um so I'm always learning things too, which I just love. I think it's fantastic. Sometimes I know I'm in the right spot. Like when my husband will text me and I'll be like, what's going on there? And he'll be like, oh, I've been to seven meetings. I haven't even made it back to my office yet. And I think to myself like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. I would hate that.
1: Yeah, Like I don't miss
0: any of that. I told him, I was like, when we become a thing and we all work in the same building, we're never having meetings, at least not ones that I attend. Because I hate stuff (laughs) like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, not too long before I quit my job, I remember I was listening to a podcast and I don't remember who the guest was, but it was some really successful entrepreneur. And the person was just saying like, that they realized that they were just not a good employee and they they didn't, like, there was no, um, you know, in this line of work, I'm not a good employer. Like, oh, I'm not good at sales or I'm not good at, nope. Just, I'm just not a good employee, period. End of story. And 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 that resonated with me so much. And, uh, and i started recalling back all the times in my head where um for lack of a better terms uh, for la- for lack of a better word like i guess i would like butt heads with my boss or whatever just because i would be like outspoken like hey i don't think do you notice how this thing's not working right yeah. like we should totally change it like this and my bosses would always have things for me like Blake, why are you, like, just do your job. Like, why are yes! you even giving that feedback right now? Like, nobody else cares. Like, can you just oh do your gosh. job? And it's like, how does this not bother everyone else? Because it really bothers yes. me that we're not doing these things, right? And- uh And everyone else is just like, just collect your paycheck and go home. Like, why is this a thing? And that's like the thing that when you then get to become an entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, like, this is great. Like, I get to actually fix these problems and work on the right things.
0: My poor, sweet best friend, we've been best friends since we lived together in college. And she would watch me sort of like struggle through things. I'd be like, oh, this person drives me nuts, or I don't want to do this, or I've got to travel for three days for this highly pointless meeting, and I don't want to go do it. But she was very, you know, she is of the personality where you just go there, shut up, do it, take the check, and life goes on. And eventually, we all retire, which I adore about her. It does not make her bad at all. It just shows such a difference because I would sort of hear that and I would be like, "Oh, that's so logical on so many levels. Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just <laughs> right. shut up?" Yeah, just you feel like there's something it.
1: wrong with you, yeah.
0: Yes. And so I'd kind of like put a Band-Aid on it and then I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to shut up and I'm just like going to fly to Cleveland for three days for some dumb meeting we could have had on a phone like in five minutes. And um, then it would it would just rear its head again. It'd be like, you know, why are we doing this? What is the point? So I, I totally, totally get that. And I really try to think about that when I manage my people now, like they'll say, well, what do you want me to do about this? And almost always what I come back with is, well, what do you think you should do? Because I'd spent so long where somebody feels like they have to sort of like micromanage every decision you make. And I sort of want this whole culture of people who know that they are free to make decisions as long as the work is getting done. And our product is the best in town.
1: Yeah. So they
0: know that I'm very much like, don't come get me. Don't, you know, ask me these ridiculous questions when you probably know what the answer is. We do a lot of like, we'll talk and we'll bake and we'll be like, okay, this is coming up. What are we all sort of thinking we want to do in a very sort of collaborative way instead of a very like, you know, from the top down, like, okay, this festival's coming up and somebody here has to make 1000 pies, you know, and it's going to be like this. Like we all sort of talk about what are we doing? What flavors? How are we feeling about it? What is our plan? In sort of a much more communal way because I sort of need that. That's the environment that I need. So
1: Yeah. And you, you want know, them I, to take some sort of ownership then in the business, yeah, you know?
0: So when I interview people, I'm like, look, we spend all day in one thousand square feet. Like we're gonna know everything about you, you're gonna know everything about me. I need opinions constantly. I need you to talk. Like if that's not your thing, that's totally cool. It's not space for you, and that's fine. But I need people in there that are like me in that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the growth of uh, Peggy Jean's Pies and how the hell you've done some of these things. So uh, I did
0: not actually know sometimes. <laughs> I did not know until I was putting together our presentation for Walmart that we'd had 78% growth in the first three years. Like, in fact, I thought that my husband was wrong when he repeated that. And then our accountant also confirmed it. And I was like, wait, what? How did we do that? I don't know.
1: So much more importantly is the part that you just really quickly breezed over, our meeting with Walmart. How the hell did you get a meeting with Walmart?
0: Well... You First of all, we had been working. We are in the town where University of Missouri is, which is fantastic for small companies because you often have journalism kids, business kids, all these kids in school that need somebody to be a project. So we had spent a whole semester with an MBA team looking at this idea of selling our pie dough, which was my grandma's recipe, which is sort of hilarious when you think about like, you know, she's sort of creating it way out in the country, you know, like 80 years ago. And now we're talking about selling in a store in the exact same way that she still makes it with four ingredients. And they had looked at the feasibility and said, yes, there's a market there for that, start local. Well, about that time I had Saw somewhere, I think I read in the local newspaper that Walmart was hosting this open call initiative where they were sort of like focusing on American-based small companies where you could sort of pitch your product and sort of go through this two-day seminar that Walmart puts on that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to go through if you just like cold-called into Walmart and said, hey, I want you to sell my stuff. So I applied and It was kind of like this joke, like, you know, whatever, like Walmart's going to say yes. And I have been told 55,000 or so companies applied. They accepted 200 to this two-day thing in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I happened just to log in and check on it. And it said, okay, to book travel. And I was like, wait, what? Like Walmart wants us to come down there? Um, So we did at the end of June. And we went down, we went to a meeting the night before. And then you go pitch the next morning. And it's like legitimately like shark tank. Like you get, like <laughs> minutes. you know, first of all, they have like this huge rally and they have like all these speakers, like the governor of Arkansas is there and all the Walmart bigwigs, And they're like, you know, playing like God bless America. Like people are basically crying at the end of this thing. Cause they're so like pumped up by American entrepreneurship. And then we get the schedule and we're first to go. And I was like, are you even kidding me right now? Like we're first, I didn't know if it was good or bad. So we go in there and we, I launched into the thing. We've got the PowerPoint and we took little three inch pies for everybody. And we had all of our branding and all these things. And the guy was like, yeah, we don't have anything like this. I think we should do this. I think we should have like, here's what I need from you. And of course it was things like, you know, you have to have like a shelf life certification, you know, you have to have insurance indemnifying Walmart. There were a number of things like there are companies down there that ready to go to the shelf next day. We were not one of them because we did not have those things. One of the main things being a way to seal it that is tamper proof and sort of flushes out the gases within that ceiling so that the dough doesn't turn bad. And that's what we've been working on lately. But they were just like, yeah, sounds good. Do the, do those things and then come back down. Like and then they shove you out because then there's somebody else like selling, I don't know, fish food or salsa or whatever it was waiting to go. <laughs> and I think we were like literally in the parking lot before we were both like, "Wait, what just happened to us?" And that's how it went down.
1: So now, how are you going to be getting this stuff on the shelf at Walmart? You mentioned um getting the the thing to like uh, get all the air out and package it correctly and everything. Yeah. Uh, how are you making enough stuff to get it to Walmart?
0: Well, once we're ready to go, we're going to test in 25 stores. So my plan is that we will just stay business as normal in our storefront. And if we have to sort of look at people coming in at night to sort of focus on the Walmart side of things, whereas during the day, things seem completely normal to everybody else. That way, if it tanks and everyone hates us, our lives go on. If it grows, then we have to start looking at alternative you know, places to do it just because already we struggle in space in a thousand square feet. We have two ovens, um, you know, they're commercial ovens, but still we, that really is something that's impacted us over the last six months is we are getting faster and better. We can make them faster than we can bake them. So things like that, we're already struggling with, but I'd like to keep life as normal as possible. Whereas maybe the average person walks in and has no idea that at night is going on this like full scale Walmart operation.
1: Right, right. Now, and what is it that's going to be getting sold exactly in Walmart? Is it just, just the dough?
0: Just the dough.
1: Okay. So our
0: dough is just four things, water, flour, shortening, and salt. Um, no one knows the recipe really except for mom and I, and then we taught my soon-to-be 15-year-old son. So like, if you saw him on the street and like waggled 100 bucks to GameStop in his face, <laughs> everything he wanted to know. Um, and so we dry batch it. So I put those three, I put water, no, I put shortening salt and flour in a big bucket, and then my employees know that if they need dough and I am not in there or I am busy, then they just dump, dump those dry mixes into the mixer. They add eight cups of water, and you know, voila, PJP secret dough. But that was originally my grandmother's recipe. It was made from things that were accessible to her. They didn't have a lot of money. They lived in rural Southeast Missouri. And she would just mix, you know, completely by feel. A little of this, a little of that. And so I grew up where mom would just roll out strips of pie dough. Now, we didn't put anything on ours. Lots of people would do like cinnamon and sugar and that sort of thing. But we just called them crackers. I thought everybody did that. But when I met my husband and he started coming home with me, he was like, you all are the weirdest people I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anybody do <laughs> that. Like, little did he know the foreshadowing he had for his future life. Yeah, 20 years right.
1: The pie obsession, I love it. Yeah. So it's it's really great to me that that recipe doesn't have sugar in it because I mean you're already going to be putting so much sugar in the other ingredients that right. are going to go inside of your pie. I've never heard, I don't think, of like dough without sugar in it. That's awesome.
0: No sugar and no dairy. So vegan friendly, which is, you know, sort of something that really interested Walmart from the retailing perspective, because that's such a growing segment of our population, like preservative free, additive free, dairy free, sugar free. We don't add anything at all to it, which has been sort of an interesting part of this journey of getting it sealed Like this shelf life certification, people, like their minds are blown. They're like, wait a second, there's no dairy in it? And I'm like, no, there's no dairy. It's just the exposure to air will turn it color. So you have to flush those gases out. That's been sort of our stumbling block. There's only one machine in the United States of America that does this thing. Apparently, it is in California in a showroom. so if I ship it to California and we test it, we somehow then have to get that to Illinois to the lab to be shelf life certified. But now I've broken the chain of command. So the lab, <laughs> well, we don't want to certify it until you can say it came right out of your storefront. So that's kind of the point we're at now. We're like, well, do we just buy it? It's like sixty two hundred dollars and get it in there and then see what happens. Like that's kind of where we're foundering around right now.
1: Like yeah. it never
0: can be easy.
1: Yeah, there's no guarantees with anything, right? It's like, all right, we could spend the money on this, and it's this great future for us, or we spend the money on this, and then Walmart backs out, or it doesn't sell totally. well, and yeah, it's so difficult. Yeah,
0: like we'll go sometimes, and they like the guy at Walmart won't answer me for like three days. Well, you know, like in my head, I have to think like, okay, like Walmart is huge to us, but to Walmart, they're like. Nah, who cares that much, you know, like he's got a bazillion other things to do. Right. So I always try to like, be mindful of the fact like, okay, look, Walmart goes on whether or not we sell our dough there or we don't, but it feels so frenic when you're in that moment of like, you know, all of these people that are involved in helping us get this project to the table are like, what about this? What about that? And you're sort of like, I know nothing. I just, I just know I want it in a box so I can go to Walmart and have a moment.
1: Yeah, (laughs) totally. That's how
0: I think about it. Like I, it was like insurance that indemnify Walmart, huh? And then I was like, well, as a lawyer, I should have been like, yeah, I should have been on that one. I just really honestly never, ever thought about it, which goes back to like, You know, if you have insurance to indemnify a major corporation like that, that means that on my end, I have to say, okay, I got out this bag of General Mills flour, serial number, you know, blah, 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 and I poured it in here. Like, You have to start putting the controls in backwards so that, God forbid, anything ever happened, you can start working your liability backwards and be like, I know what came from this block of shortening. And, you know, those are all things that I think when I applied on the Walmart site, you don't ever think about those things. And then logistically, you're looking at it and going, huh. I'm not a spreadsheet person. I don't care anything about spreadsheets. But it's like something's got to give. Like if we're going to take the next step forward, I've really got to start figuring out how logistically am I going to be smart about this.
1: Yeah, I love entrepreneur stories like this because it, every entrepreneur that you talk to, when you start to break down like the great heights that they're at at whatever you know peak they they are at at the time, like they don't really. It, it, it was such a weird you know, crawling struggle to get there. It's not like they knew what they were doing. It's not oh, like you, knew, you know, no, you're I, trying to figure this all out as you go along. Um, no, I I was at
0: Starbucks next door last Thursday and like legitimately sat in there with my computer and cried for like 20 minutes because I was like over everything. Like everybody's driving me nuts and everybody needed an answer. And I like told those kids at the store, I'm like, unless it's burning down, leave me alone for 20 minutes. And I went over there and I'm like crying in my PGP t-shirt. And I'm like, well, this is a charming image you know it wasn't like sobbing but it was like lone tear because was just tired like yeah. i remember sometimes like at the beginning being like i wish somebody in charge would come in here and i was like oh hell that's me like that's a
1: sober <laughs> <effect.">
0: <laughs> like huh how did that work out and still even now like i i was mainly struggling last week because i you know <sighs> hey, I, I want to be nice in the way I say it, but sometimes you get people that work in there and they're very young and you know what, this is not their whole life and they're going to move on to something else. Right. And so then they'll do things and I just will be like, but but why would you do that? Or like, why are you not thinking about it? And then I feel like I have to kind of yell and I'm not a big like yeller in that way. So I take it very personally, but that's just part of being a boss. And that's something I really, really struggle with. You know, mom's much more sort of like the grandmother, the that come in, she'll fuss around. I'm much more the nitty gritty day to day. Yeah. As far as like the social media and the big planning and the dealing with everyone that works for us. You know, and she's much more like the cleanest kitchen in columbia missouri probably in all of missouri because she is like crazy about it <laughs> that's great she's her own show that way so i feel like sometimes i'm like i just get all the bad stuff i was just having a full-on pity party which is okay i think
1: like, <laughs> i mean it has to happen <laughs> for sometimes. sure you have to do it it's uh it's funny this all makes me think of actually the episode of half hour intern that came out today um which is uh, a tour, and this guy I asked for advice at the end of every episode, you know, and the advice that he gave, and I can't believe I've never been given this advice before by anyone ever. And it is probably the best advice I've ever heard. And he says, he's like, you just need to be naive. He's like, hold on to your naivete like as long as possible Mm -hmm. as you go through the process. He's like, if you knew what was coming, or if you knew the odds being against you, or if you knew these things, like you just wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. You know, it'd be so hard. And it's like all the stories that you're telling are that same way. You know, it's like I don't even know if I'd have gone to this Walmart event if I'd have thought of all the things that it could have been. I don't know if I'd have started the shop if I'd have known how much work it would have been but yet you're just naive and like that naivety (laughs) is such a blessing when you're trying to do something for the first time.
0: Well, I think, I mean, it's a little bit like parenting. I mean, like I texted my husband the other day and I was like, parenting is ridiculous. Like I was having a conversation with one of our kids. It was just like ridiculous. He's sort of like, I don't like this class. Do I have to go? Well, yeah, you have to go. Like the whole point is sometimes owning business is ridiculous, but you know what? I sort of created PJP. It is like my third child. So while sometimes you're just like, what have I done? Like I used to have a life. Now I've got this thing, but when you watch it grow, it's, it's so satisfying. It's like when your kids drive you freaking insane, but then sometimes you see this little glimpse of the person they're starting to be, and you know, what's coming, the good that's coming. You're like, Oh, well, that's totally worth it. Even if at <laughs> the moment you're like, oh my God, what have I done?
1: Totally, totally. Um talk to us about the growth of the business in general and like getting press and things like that. So your business has almost doubled in size over the past four years. And that's not from like some small start. Like you said, you guys were doing very well right when you opened your doors, and then right. you've almost doubled in size from there. What have you done to grow everything? Or is it gonna be one of these totally frustrating stories where you just say, like, yeah. oh, you know, like people just tell other people and we just keep making good yeah. pies and that's about it?
0: It's it's a little bit like that. Like I could not tell you for sure one thing except for just perseverance. Like, I mean, just like when you've hit the point where you're like, I cannot one more day go look at that place, like you just go back the next day and you just start all over. So we start baking fresh every morning. Our goal is to sell out by the end of the day. The next morning, we sell whatever's left, half price, and we start all over. And so, you know, we're just, we just keep plugging along. Like I feel like I'm sort of two steps forward, one step back, and trying to be smart and think through it and really try to provide an experience. So you can go anywhere and get a pie. You can go to Walmart. You can go to the local grocery store. You can get something made, you know, four months ago in a factory in Cleveland, and it's shipped in you can do any of those things. But if you want something that, you know, is an experience, like somebody made that with their own two hands and then we baked it and then we put all this care into boxing it up. And then we have this sort of like cool industrial storefront. And when you come in, we're going to talk to you a bunch and we're going to start to know things about you. Like that's sort of what we're creating, which I think, Makes a huge difference. I mean, sometimes people will come by and they'll be like, I just needed a little bit of treat and a little bit of therapy. So, like, they, they stop by and they'll talk to us for like 20 or 30 minutes. We have no seating in our store. So, like, they're just standing there and they're like telling us what's like going on with them. Um, and they volunteer their time to help us out. Like, they very much believe in sort of this movement. So, they're not just transactionally getting a baked good, they're sort of buying into this much bigger idea of kind of like look what we're building and hey why don't you come be a part of it with us and like you'll see people like hashtag wpd on posts they do like they're kind of getting it and that is so satisfying
1: i could only imagine that's amazing that is
0: where my work sort of goes i run the whole front so like I know everybody I know what is wrong with their dogs their children what kind of pie they like like that's my thing whereas my mom is much more the back person like she's keeping an eye on everything but like she legit knows nobody by name like she's one of those toddler books that has like their face next to their name so she can memorize it. Um, <laughs> But together, we're sort of the perfect person that way because they kind of know that about her. And they'll be like, oh, I see her back there working away. Meanwhile, I'm like talking for like five hours to one person about, and then they'll everybody at the store will be like, how do you know that person? I'm like, I did not know them at all. But people kind of remember that and they come back. So I kind of wants to be an experience rather than just a thing. And there are some people who don't care. I remember somebody got really upset with us once and I was on the phone that in the alleyway. And I called my husband and I'm crying. And he's like, look, not everyone's going to be your customer. And that is okay. Stop make, trying to make everyone love you because some people don't care as long as the pie is sitting on the table. And right. that helps me a little bit because that's true. Some people just don't, it doesn't matter that we make it from scratch or we'll have people come in and they'll be like, don't you have another truck coming in soon? And I just want to be like, but well, we are the truck. Like this is legitimately <laughs> happening right here. So I think as people come to kind of know that, then they kind of get interested in it because they're like, wait a second, you all are making all of that right here while we're talking to you and they can see it being done. You can smell everything like, you know, you're sens- you're very, very engaged when you come in, like we're talking to you, you're smelling it, you're seeing it sort of in the end. really, the only thing left is to taste it. So it's super hard to leave and not get anything. Yeah, for and sure. Then, I mean, once that usually like people will say, I'm like addicted now and it's not anything secret. It's just real food. It's just using like my grandmother's recipe for coconut cream. I mean, you can go to a lot of places, but they're getting coconut cream filling out of a can, whereas we're making it with flour and sugar and whole milk and egg yolks. So it's not secret. It's just,
1: it's just real freaking food. It's just so much better.
0: Yeah. So it's that it's the experience and it's sort of creating the online presence is so important anymore. People respond to people that are authentic And if you are not authentic, people really anymore see right through that. Like people will email me and be like, tell me how to write a blog. And I'm like, well, you don't like to write, then don't write a blog. Because anymore in this world, people see that.
1: Yeah. It's very strange that people like, if you're, if that's kind of your mindset, then why do you want to write one? Right. You know, like I, I would have people ask me like, uh, and I see in articles all the time, like, like, what should I podcast about? It's like, why do you want to podcast if you exactly. don't even have something that you want I think to podcast like about so
0: much pressure on everybody you know it's like Facebook, Instagram, podcast, blog, or otherwise you're gonna fail spectacularly, but what they're not understanding is if you pick all those things and you suck at it, there's like zero point to doing any I think people even more turn against you a little bit because they're like uh, they feel it, you know it's not your thing,
1: yeah, totally. so it's
0: like my mom, I mean she had to ask me. Where you buy a book of hashtags. She thought you could go to Target and buy a book of hashtags that you were allowed to use. Okay, so she should not be on the PJP Twitter. I mean, that's just God love her who she is and doesn't work for her. She has a different set of skills.
1: That's so great. How do you feel like this business would be if you did not have your mom? So I think a lot of times when people look at a business, they look at someone who's kind of the face of the business like Mm -hmm. you are. Um, And especially someone who's also more technically savvy and all these things like you are. And they're like, Oh, well, that's, that's the real person. Like the, you know, without the other person, this business would be just as strong. But obviously there's so much to be said for having someone that has strengths that you do not have. As You said your mom does. Like where do you think you'd be at without her right now?
0: I don't even, I mean, I would have never made it. I mean, together we are the perfect person and you really see us like more sort of separated sort of struggling, we have really worked in the last couple of years to identify each of our strengths and really support that. I think at the beginning, we were sort of hand-holding, and she'd be like, you know, oh, let's clean out the bottom of the ovens with razor blades, which I did not want to do, and I'd be like, oh, let's look around on the internet and be inspired by something, which she did not want to do. So there was kind of this push and pull, and like we couldn't figure out how to work independently but together. Um, which is kind of funny. Like I'm her only child. You would think like after I I was like 38 at the time, we would have gotten it together by then. But when you work together, it's totally different. She operates in a way that's so different from me sometimes. And that was sort of a journey of how do you do that? How do you be like, okay, you are so good at XYZ. You do that. And I will be over here doing, you know, ABC because I'm so good at that.
1: So how many pies are you guys selling like I guess per day right now versus what were you looking at when you first opened?
0: Oh gosh, that's a good question. I I can't even remember at the beginning um average week now. I mean, we're in September, so we're going into sort of what's known as like pie season. I mean, we're going to get exponentially busier as each week passes until Christmas. So this week I am probably going to go in there tomorrow. I'm probably going to have them make mm um, 49 inch pies and then probably 150 of what we call our baby pies so they're five inches sort of like a personal size and that's how we sell them we don't sell slices we just sell like the baby and the nine inch and the goal being sort of stocking on Tuesday to sell us out and then Wednesday morning we will um you know, take those half price, whatever's left, and hopefully not many. And then I'll look at like, okay, what do I know about Wednesdays? And what is going on in this town? And what is the weather like? And what kind of orders do we have? And we ship our little jelly jars nationwide on Wednesdays. All of those things sort of put the picture together for what the day looks like. So I still tend to be very controlling over that baking schedule process because I sort of walk around holding all the information, like the historical data and uh, just being there all day. Like, what do I know people have been asking for? Or like going into the weekend, like when our local University of Missouri football plays an SEC game, I stock is heavier because people are tailgating. All of those things come together. Whereas you're in the beginning, I literally knew nothing and we had no historical data whatsoever we we're completely guessing on what we were doing and we didn't make near the flavors that we make now so it just it's two different animals
1: when during those first like year or two would you just run out of pies a lot or like have too many pies a lot or
0: you tend to run out more especially because mom's more conservative than i am so she can be very much you know somebody stops by and in the afternoon on a Tuesday and they want a chocolate bourbon pecan and we don't have it. She's like, "Meh. what are you going to do? Should have been here earlier. Whereas I'm more like, okay, yeah, maybe once that's okay. Or if it was five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, maybe that's okay. But I was, I pushed her much harder. Like people should have some relative expectation that they can walk in here and at least find their first or second top choice at any given time. Right. So I really sort of pushed her a lot harder as to what we were going to start looking like. And she would tell you like that's I've consistently pushed her like we need to do these events. We hold these monthly pie tasting events and she wears out with them because they're a ton of work. But she'll be the first to admit like it makes people interact with pine in different ways. So you can see me push, push, push a lot. Um and that's just kind of how we work. She's usually on board. I just got to get her
1: there. What are these monthly events? Tell us about that.
0: We, um we bake 15 different kinds of pie. And so we line them all up. We bake them on these big sheet pans and we have just- You know, tables and chairs in there. It's in the evening. You can bring booze. You basically eat your way through the line. We don't tell you what any of the pies are. So you have a piece of paper and all your friends, and you sit there and you make your guesses about what you think you're having. And maybe a third of them are things that we normally do, but most of them are things that, you know, I've seen on Pinterest or somebody has brought me a recipe for, or something interesting I've seen in a cookbook so they could be a total fail or they could be magnificent who knows but that's sort of the fun of it that people really like is like it's just a big game slash focus group and then at the end we give away prizes for the top three palettes. so if you got the most out of 15 right you know we do like wine and gift cards and t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. And we just hang out with you and you eat, you make your guesses. And we talk about what's fantastic. What was horrible. Like, you know, I've spit stuff in the trash before. Cause I'll be like, that thing was terrible. <laughs> and I honestly had no idea until everybody had gone through the line. But I think that's part of being real. I mean, who hasn't made something off Pinterest and you're like, that was a total fail. So I, people love them. We sold out our last one in under an hour. We can only accommodate 22 people, but they all show up like in their sweatpants with a bottle of wine because they're going to eat all of this pie. And then sometimes when things are fantastic, we kind of work on naming it. And can we work it into our regular schedule kind of thing?
1: I love it. You can see why you're so successful. Like you, you try everything. You know, it's not just you don't just like rest back like, Oh, I have a shop. I guess I'm just gonna like sit here and see if people come in or like, oh no, I'm just gonna keep doing that day after day. Like you just keep on trying all these different things.
0: Yeah. Like we just do ridiculous things. We just did slice and serve Saturday because I was so like over people coming in and being like, Do you serve slices here? Which like how can I be over it? Like, is that not the most legit question you've ever heard for a pie shop? And we have like <laughs> No, we only sell the five-inch baby pie. So I'm going to be like, all right, for one day, we're going to slice all these suckers up and we're going to sell them off for like $3 a slice, tax included. And then that way, when people are like, do you serve by slices? We can be like, yes, we did once this year on like September 9th or whatever day it was that we did it. But people loved it and we will definitely do it again because it was novel and it was interesting and people tried new things. So sometimes you'll see us do crazy stuff um that really works and then sometimes we'll do stuff that like doesn't work at all and then we just quit doing it and like a year later someone will be like didn't you used to do that and we're like yeah but we're over it now which is <laughs> sort of like a interesting sort of self editing like personal growth issue is like how do i take an idea that i think is good and really work through it to be like am i gonna do that consistently or am i just intrigued because it's interesting? Which you know, sometimes I really have to stop myself and be like, that's a good idea, but I know I'll we'll never follow through.
1: Yeah, for sure. Which is something you could only know, I guess, after having your own business for a while and have tried so many different things.
0: Right, exactly. And I mean, sometimes too, I think we want to do things because we're pleasers. Mom and I like to please everyone, although maybe logistically or financially or our personal time, it makes it hard. Like, really trying to be like, okay, what makes sense it like so like our first thanksgiving was epic disaster i mean we're talking police directing traffic i cried for like a solid 12 hours epic disaster so what did the two of us do we opened the Friday after Thanksgiving, so we wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings if they were having a late Thanksgiving, but we are surly all day. Like, I'm still crying. I'm still upset. Like, we should not have been in that space. And I look back on that and I'm like, well, there was where you see, like, the pushing to make everyone happy being a value over everything else. So year two, we're like, yeah, we're closed the whole weekend of Thanksgiving because we have just gone to hell and back in the previous three days before and Uh, our families and our employees and our time, they mean something. We all need that time because we definitely weren't ourselves that Friday and we weren't chipper and we weren't all like, yay, enjoy your pie. We were like, oh, I hate pumpkin pie. So I think like looking at things like that and sort of being honest about what it is. I mean, that's the honest truth. That's why we don't do it. Yeah. everybody in there needs a few days off.
1: It's great. And I'm sure at the beginning, part of you thinks like, oh, but we we have to, you know, if, if we want to be a competitive business and we want to stay open, oh, yeah. we have to be able to give people whatever they want, whenever they want it. Totally. And you kind of, I guess, maybe get more confidence in yourself as time goes on of like, it's okay. Like, they'll still yes. be here, even if we close the oh, I was days. the
0: queen of, like, you know, call us Burger King, like, have it your way anytime you want it. And after a while, you realize it's almost impossible because you cannot make everybody happy or you will drive yourself insane. So, that first, that year, that year two, when we didn't open and things had gone so much better that second Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, I kind of had a moment of like, ugh, did I make such a knee-jerk reaction because year one was so bad? And like, you what know, if someone's pulling in our parking lot right now to come get pie, and they see you know, the sign on the door, like, we're closed for a Thanksgiving break, and they think that we're lazy. Like, believe me, I can spiral super <laughs> fast. Yeah. I am, like, on the cliff, whereas mom's all like, well, they should have thought ahead. They should have pre-ordered. They could have gotten one for, like, you know, on and on and on and on. She's been much better at sort of teaching me, seeing the value of putting value on us so that we continue to have sort of the energy and the love for what we do instead of sort of being like super grouchy pants and sort of hating it, which I think you see sometimes you ever go someplace and they're super not friendly to you. And you're sort of like, that was weird. Like I'm an effusive person by nature. So it's hard for me to go to a place and they're like sort of, you know, like surly, like I take it very personally and it it makes a difference to me. So I never want our customers to have that experience, even when we're like, you know, driving the struggle bus.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. It's so important. Um, All right, Rebecca, let's go ahead and finish this thing up. I would love to know your advice that you would give someone that wanted to open up their own shop.
0: My gosh, my advice, do it. And when it feels like you have made all of the right decisions, I swear to you, just put your arms around it and put your head down and just Hold on, because that feeling does not stay. Like it, it goes away, and then it's going to come back. And you just, you just have to keep holding on to it, and knowing as long as you're trying as hard as you can, and you're giving it everything you've got, like you just have to believe it's going to work. That's yeah. it. Seriously, I mean, once I remember Mom and I walking out, and I turned the lights off at the shop, and I was like, I hate this place, and then I was like. <gasps> Like, like she was a real person. Like, PJP heard me. And <laughs> I feelings. Like, I remember feeling that. And I was like, no, no, wait. I take it back. I don't hate you. I'm just super tired. But I'm going to be better tomorrow. Like, you just have to know. you You just got to keep on going. Like, that's all there is to it. That's the only secret to this is like... Being authentic, being real, trying the hardest you have and like thinking, okay, I'm going to try to have the most fun that I can have and still sort of grow this thing because I believe in her more than anybody else.
1: Yeah. It's something I've thought about since since starting Half Hour Intern is you wouldn't you think like you cannot fail then, right? If you give everything, oh. if you keep working as hard as you can, like that has to be a guaranteed success, right?
0: It has to. No, I mean, maybe not. By the way, some people define success, you know, like, am I ever going to be on the cover of like, I don't know, success magazine? Probably not. But am I going to impact somebody here? Yes. Am I going to show my kids that you can work so hard you have to crawl up your stairs on your hands and knees after Thanksgiving (laughs) because you were so tired and you have corn syrup in your socks? Like, am I teaching them there's value in that? Absolutely. That's success. It's not necessarily about money. It's finding meaning in what you do at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right, Rebecca, please plug your business because it doesn't matter where people are listening to this. I imagine in the United States or I don't know if you sell them everywhere. But like you said, on Wednesdays, you send out these jelly jar pies that people can order. So tell people what those are and then where and how they can order them.
0: We ship these super cute, we bake pies in these little four-ounce mason jars, and then we package six of them up, six different kinds, and we put them in a box with six tiny forks, and they are adorable. They come out of our oven hot. We lid them. You'll hear them pop and seal, and then they arrive on someone's doorstep two days later, and they open them up, and it feels like they're having, like, fresh pie right out of the oven. And we put a little handwritten note in there. They've been on BuzzFeed. They've been in Entrepreneur Magazine. They were shot for Oprah's Favorite Things, although that never happened, which in retrospect was a blessing because we wouldn't have been ready. But they're adorable and they're fun and they're different. And um, you can get them at PJPies.com.
1: And can anyone in the world get those or just the U.S.?
0: Just the U.S. right now. We ship via two-day UPS. Um, So, unfortunately, that does not include our friends in Canada or other places. We have tried, but it's perishable. I mean, we need you to feel like you know, they need to be fresh. We do not flash freeze them or anything else. So when you get them, you can eat all six right away. Or what you can do is you can put a few in your freezer. We include all the instructions that if you would like to reheat them and eat them at a later time, you can. So they're a great gift for, you know, somebody that loves pie, but you can't really ship them a whole pie because maybe they live alone and how are they ever going to eat it? Um, so, and you can mix and match your flavors if you don't really know what somebody enjoys. Uh, it's kind of fun because then you're uh, guaranteed. You've got to find something out of one out of the six that you're gonna love
1: yeah absolutely and people in addition to getting your pies uh should also definitely follow your blog as i said it's incredibly charming incredibly awesome and people can kind of follow uh what you rebecca are doing with your life and with the pie shop and on your quest towards world pie domination
0: it is all on there there's nothing you won't know about me after you read it for a week or two
1: Cool. Well, Rebecca, this has been awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: I thank you so much.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys